It is always a joy uh, and a blessing to be able to give and share God's word with his people. Uh, My hope is that in our time together this morning that we will be convicted not from any wisdom from me or from from any other pastors, but, but simply convicted from God's word. Uh, not just simply that, the conviction, but also encouraged and be prepared by him, by his word for his mission. My hope is this, is that in our time together and through our uh, diving into the word this morning is that we'll come to a place of obedience uh, by the transformative work of the Holy Spirit and his holy word. So that is my prayer. That's been my prayer for us this week and prayer as we dive into our time this morning. Uh, every time my wife and I, we travel, uh, one of the things that uh, I do on rare occasions is make a list. Um, I'm sure that uh, I, I, when I make this list, I make sure that we have everything that we need for a trip. Uh, some of you guys are familiar with making lists, whether that's going to the grocery store. Uh, it's something that comes very natural to some people. Uh, for me, it is one of my weaker strengths, but uh, it is something that my wife excels at. So sometimes part of that list is making purchases that don't make much sense uh, at the time, but they always come in handy later. Um, in those moments of preparation for the trip, uh, I also make to-do lists. Like, it's not only making sure that I get these supplies, but there's also some tasks and duties that I have to get done before. Like, let's say, for example, if we're going on a road trip, you have to make sure that the oil's changed, your brakes are changed and ready, you make sure that your tires are good, all that stuff. Uh, you see, and not only that, that's the prep work for that, there's also the prep work that's needed for the planning as to where we're going to go. Uh, on very few occasions, once in a while, we'll go like, hey, let's just kind of take a journey somewhere and kind of get lost, which I don't recommend at all unless you have a GPS. I'm not good at reading maps either. So uh, if we're out lost in the desert, I'm sorry. Uh, just pray that the Lord opens up a way for us to get, get back home. But we make this to-do list and these places that we want to go and the reason why we do that is because we stay focused with the list, right? A list, a way to prep is we make a list to do, to get done. And with that, it keeps our focus to, to get to the destination on time, to get there, to maximize uh, the time that we have there, to enjoy that place, to enjoy each other's presence, whatever it may be. In our text this morning, where we're going to be at is Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 to 20. You see, this text is, many of us, we, we are familiar with this text. If you've been to, if you've gone to uh, or, or attended the Alliance churches and the denomination for a while, this text is very familiar to you. The Great Commission. And if not that, I would probably say this, I will even go as far as saying this, that if you are a follower of Jesus, this text is familiar to you. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20 here, Matthew writes to us, and I hope to draw these points as we move together as a church for his kingdom, moving onward, forward for his name. 
And these two points just very simply being this. How are we being prepared? And what does it mean to be a pioneer for Jesus? So let's turn our attention to his word this morning. Again, it's Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. And it says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, we simply commit this time to you. May your word speak to us and may we see your son Jesus in this. Open up our hearts at this time to surrender and to receive. Holy Spirit, we ask this for your transformative work to move in us at this moment. May you be glorified, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So, our first point, to be prepared. The definition of this word prepared is defined as make someone ready or able to do or deal with something. You see, many of us in this room right now, we have found ourselves in a position where we needed to be prepared. Maybe this morning was probably a, a very good case for us, is that we needed to make sure that we were ready for church, make sure that when we leave the house, we are walking outside with shoes or pants on, uh, making sure that, you know, the oven is not on while we're, we are out of the house, things like that. We make sure we prepare for a journey. We prepare to go. One of the main components of preparation is a moment of recap and reflection. I would, I, I'm sure many of us would agree is that when we go through our checklist of things to do before we go somewhere, there's a split moment, maybe 15 or 20, 30 seconds, where we go through everything. We say, did we get this? Did we get that? Did we do this? Did we do that? To reflect on what has been done or what still needs to be done, these are part of that preparation piece. Some of us, we may ask the question when we're going on a journey is that, hey, you know, like what I said earlier, is that do we need to get this done? Do we need to get that done? Or if you guys are like me, is that sometimes I get to a point where I go like, do we even go on this trip? Like, I know it's just across the street, but... This is kind of far for me. Either way, this sense of simply thinking through the details is incredibly important. And it's something that we should not overlook. So this brings our attention to this text. The first few verses of our, our, our scripture this morning. And I'll show you what I mean here. So right within the first few words, verses 16, if you guys want to read along with me. Now the 11 disciples. Right there. I hope you guys caught that. The 11 disciples. 
Matthew's mention of 11 disciples could easily be glazed over in the reading of this passage. But my challenge to you is this, is why did Matthew, who is a very detailed-oriented person, remember his job before he met Jesus? Why did he mention 11 disciples? If you guys been, grew, grew up in the church, if you guys been in Bible quizzing, is that most of us are given the answer, how many disciples are there? There's 12. But here, Matthew mentions only 11. You see, Matthew's mention of 11 disciples is to bring us to a place of reflection. It's not just simply to say, oh, Matthew doesn't know how to count. You know, he, he was a tax collector, but wasn't that really good of a tax collector. No, his, his mention of that was purposeful. The question is posed to us when we read this text. What is the disciple? You see, this question, if you're not familiar with the church context, if, you're just some, if this is your first time entering into a church, you're probably asking this question too. What is this uh, disciple? And to give you guys, uh, uh, to, to comfort you guys, is that this is a question that even church leaders continue to ask to this day. What is a disciple? What defines a disciple? And what also, what led the other disciple to be disqualified as one? A disciple can be defined as this, a follower or teacher or student of a teacher, leader or philosopher. Matthew's mention of now 11 disciples wants us to know that there are some even within the church, that are great pretenders. They put on the face. They say the right things. They say the Christian things. But deep down, they were never really wanting to have any part of what Jesus is doing. A pastor by the name David Choi, he pastors out of Chicago, he says this, Matthew, he wants us to know about that one person who flirted with discipleship, he had been with Jesus, and yet somehow he fooled all the other disciples. It is true. It is true that there have been many within the church, the global church, who has flirted with the idea of discipleship, but never truly wanting to do anything with it. It's like that saying that some of us are familiar with, fake it till you make it, or in this case, fake it until Jesus exposes you. This word disciple should be this defining factor into everything that we do as a church. Before we go out, before missions, before we think about church planning, before anything that we envision for the kingdom, we first must ask this simple question, yet deep and reflective question, how am I doing as a disciple? You see, before the disciples were church planners, before they were pastors, missionaries, they were disciples. This poses another question for us. If we're talking about discipleship and we're saying, okay, we know that this other guy wasn't, was disqualified, disqualified from this disciple title. 
how do I find out how I'm doing about discipleship then? How do I go about this? Is there a list that I should follow? Is there a checkoff box that somewhere that's in Scripture? And I want to reassure you this, is that Scripture gives us a very clear answer here. And we can find, it in the, we can find that answer within the next few verses here. So what do we see here? We continue on. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. So three words that I want us to put our attention towards is direct, saw, and worshipped. These three identifiers. If you're wondering, hey, what's that checklist? What's that box? What's that thing that I can look back and reflect on? It's those three things that will help you kind of figure out where you're at. So our first word, had directed them. Jesus directed them to go. And then as Jesus told them to go, we see that they negotiated with Jesus about the terms of condition in their contract and if they were going to get a Benz to get over there. No, I'm just kidding. No. What they saw was that Jesus directed them and they simply said, yes, we're going to go. Jesus commanded Jesus told, and Jesus said, go, and they did as Jesus told them. Very simply, they obeyed what Jesus has asked. See, what separates someone who flirts with the idea of discipleship and a real disciple is simple. They obey what Jesus asked of them. So church, I ask you, how are you doing with obeying Jesus? We continue on. This simple, this next simple word, they saw. They, 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 they were able to see him. They saw Jesus. Now, if we were to spark notes this, uh, many of our younger students would probably understand is this term spark notes is, uh, is mean, means to summarize into one simple point. If we were to summarize what discipleship is this, is that this, or what a disciple is, is that a disciple is someone who hears and obeys Jesus, who sees Jesus, and is transformed and moved by him. You see, the disciples, they saw Jesus, and this was their response. Their response was to worship. The goal of discipleship is not for you and I to live a comfortable life, to say that, you know, everything is taken care of. The goal of discipleship is that people will see Jesus through you. As the disciples, they saw Jesus here. So, so, so take this into account. As the disciples saw Jesus, people will eventually see Jesus through them. You see, church, the, the world doesn't need new curriculums or new strategies. I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong. But the, what the world desperately needs are people who have seen Jesus and who is willing to, to, to let Jesus be seen through them. Discipleship is simply this. It's seeing Jesus through you. So the question, church, how are you doing with seeing Jesus? 
our last identifier, worship. We see the disciples' response. They worshiped when they saw Jesus. You know, I often wonder what type of worship broke out when they saw Jesus. You know, the disciples, they have a worship leader gift things, you know, is that, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I thought of this the other day is that did Peter have a voice of gold? Is that why he always enjoyed talking so much? Or did Matthew enjoy playing the drums because he loved to keep count of things? Is that just these silly little things? I'm like, huh, I wondered. Now, this text obviously doesn't give us a specific way of how they worshiped, but we can recall a posture of worship from past passages that's found in Scripture. For example, Isaiah 6. When Isaiah simply fell on his face when he saw the vision of God, woe is me, remember what Isaiah said, I am not worthy to see this. Or the man who was born blind but was healed in John chapter 9. He fell on his face and he worshipped Jesus. He worshipped in all of the presence of the Lord. You see, the only appropriate response of seeing Jesus is worshipping him. There's no other appropriate response. So church, how are you doing with worshipping Jesus? These three terms can be summed up in this, this one thing. And it's, it's a term that if you studied uh, Hebrew, it's, or maybe you've been in the church and in Bible studies, this term Shema, which is something that refers back to Deuteronomy 6. Oh, hear, O Israel, right? Now, this term Shema goes, goes a bit deeper than that. It's to hear, to listen, to understand, and to obey. That's what encompasses what Shema is. As a disciple of Jesus, have you been Shemaing him? Have you been hearing? Have you been listening? Have you been taking the time to process and understand what is it that Jesus has asked of you? And then, have you been doing what Jesus has asked of you? A pastoral mentor once asked me this, Chen, what was the last thing that Jesus asked you to do? And I remember when I first heard that question, I was like, well, he told me to wake up and get to church on time. Like, but he was like, no, 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 no. There's something deeper than that that Jesus will always ask you to do. Jesus would either ask you to do something, to stop doing something, or to become something. If we were to look in Scripture, all of the things that Jesus has asked comprises of these three topics. What is it that he's asked you to do, to stop doing, or to become? So to to church, I ask, what was the last thing Jesus has told you to do or asked you to do? It might be taking a faith-filled risk. It might be to forgive someone. It might be to give more of your time to him. It might be to surrender something to him. You see, this is growth as a disciple. If we desire to be prepared to be pioneers for Jesus, 
we must first be prepared as disciples. So the question, the deep question for this point is this is, as we reflect and as we pull out these points from Scripture, what we read it here, are you a disciple of Jesus or are you simply flirting with the idea of discipleship? Now hear this, is that it will show. Jesus will expose that of you. We see that in Scripture. We see that there are many people that pretended. But then we also see that there are many who are faithful. So we shift our attention, our focus from Jesus' command or from, from what does it look like to be a disciple. Again, this prep work for this journey, right? So we shift our focus onto Jesus' command for his disciples. As you prepare to be a pioneer, this is what being a pioneer looks like, or this is what it means. So we continue on in verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, for me... Every time I hear this verse, it gives this burden. It's like this weight that you're like, man, that's a lot of stuff to be responsible for. And it, it also, it gives this overwhelming sense of responsibility. Is that you, if you said yes to Jesus, this command, it flows onto you as well. And as overwhelming and as, as the weight of the burden can be, become heavy, at the same time, there's a sense of confidence, a sense of reassurance. To that, I say simply this, is what a call that we have as disciples of Jesus. As disciples of Jesus, we are pioneers. We are called to be pioneers. Now, a pioneer is someone who desires to see more. We've read stories in history of pioneers who ventured out to the unknown. Jesus' command here is that we're called to go, to show the world, to explore the unknown, to show people Jesus. So let's look at our text here. And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Not just some, not 35%, not 55%, not 99.9999999%, but all authority is given to Jesus. As disciples, we move onward. We move forth with confidence because Jesus is in control. There is nothing here on earth and, uh, and in heaven that Jesus can't say and it won't happen. Jesus says and it is done. If the one who created all things has already gone before us as well as has all authority under him, what do we have to fear? We can see what Paul 
is getting at when he says something similar. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now granted, there's more that I would like to share about this. uh, That it's not all going to be fine and dandy. There's going to be hardship. And we'll talk about a bit bit about that in, in a later point here. But let's continue on. Let's focus back on the text. It goes on. Verses 19 to 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This command is for Jesus' disciples. So let's get that straight. This isn't for someone who is flirting with the idea. This is someone who says yes to Jesus. I'm going to be sold out for him. If you say that you're a disciple of Jesus, this is for you. This command is for you. As I mentioned earlier, a pioneer is someone who desires to see more. You desire to see the unknown. Nothing is more adventurous. I would would go as far as saying nothing is more adventurous than the soul of a person. Jesus' call for you and I is to be pioneers for him to the least reached people in our communities. And with that, there will be adversary. adversary. There will be trials. There will be seasons of hardship. Simply put, is this, is that ministry will be hard. When Jesus calls you into his mission, there will be seasons of difficulty. Difficult to the point where many where we will see many turn away. Many who says that they're disciples, they get to a point where they say that, no, this is, this, is the, this is where I draw the line, Jesus. Now we see this, that it happened in Jesus' ministry as well. Within the gospel accounts, what happens in, in John chapter 6? After Jesus gets done feeding the 5,000, he tells them about the weight of discipleship. And then a lot of people are like, ah, you're asking a little bit too much of me, Jesus. And many left. To the point that I was making earlier about not all being fine and dandy in the hardships of ministry. A survey that was conducted in March earlier this year with a group of 510 pastors. It says this. The percentage of pastors who have considered quitting full-time ministry sits at 42%. Now, I want to mention is that this is just pastors. It's not considering ministry workers. It's not considering ministry leaders and the many volunteers that serves in the church. To this, I say church family, there is a real need within the body today for people who want to show Jesus to others. Again, we can plan, we can strategize, we can meet, we can put all these things together. And again, they're not bad. But if we don't have the hands and feet to put those in action, we will eventually find ourselves simply flirting with discipleship and not really being part of of what Jesus wants to do. So church, are you willing to be a pioneer for your church, your community? Not just for your church to go outside, but what about the inside within your church? 
Are you willing to be a pioneer to allow Jesus to work through you so that you can show Jesus to others, to the one who's sitting next to you, to the student who's in third grade whose parents are going through a divorce, to the student who's in high school who's struggling with their identity? Are you willing to be a pioneer for them? Being a pioneer for Jesus so that they will see Jesus through you. There are many opportunities for you to be a pioneer. Now, you may start to say, you may start to ask, well, I'm out of that because, one, I'm not gifted in so-and-so's area, or that's just not my thing. To that, I will say, did you think that Matthew, when he was called by the Lord, that you think that he was going to say, you know what, I know that 10 years from now, I'm going to be your early church father. That's why I'm going to follow Jesus. Did you think that Peter planned from going to a fisherman to a church elder? What about Paul, a persecutor of Christians, to becoming one of the greatest missionaries in church history? Probably not. They weren't, when they said yes to Jesus, they weren't saying, you know what, this will, this will really look good on my resume. They simply said yes to Jesus because they saw Jesus. They saw that he was worth it. Now, did you think that the disciples had all that they need? And I would say yes. They knew they had everything that they needed. And this is our concluding point here is the verses 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What an amazing promise. Now, now let that sink in for a minute here, okay? Because sometimes, again, it's, you know, if you're guilty like me, is that I read fast and sometimes I glaze over things. But let's read that again and simply just hear the words of the Lord. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I figured out why the early church thrived, why they were pioneers, why they were so zealous for the Lord. It's because they had Jesus on their team. Jesus' presence was promised to them, and not only that, the Holy Spirit was with them too. One pastoral friend once told me this, is that all the disciples needed for that movement of church planting and, and, and moving to uh, moving and connecting and showing people Jesus was this. All the disciples needed was pocket lens and the Holy Spirit. And look at what God did through them. So the question for us, church, because his presence goes with us, is that enough? Is that enough for you? To conclude our time, to those who are visiting who may have heard about Jesus for the first time today, and or if you're at a spot in your life where you're saying this, it's been hard and following Jesus has been hard and you've been keeping Jesus at an arm's length. I'll simply say this is that life is better with Jesus. It is hard. Seasons are hard. Being a pioneer in life is hard. But it is better with Jesus.
Now, again, please note that I didn't say it's going to be easier with Jesus, but it will be better with him. Invite him into that journey. Allow him to use you as a pioneer. Church, those who are following Jesus at this moment, who has committed and said yes to Jesus, the truth is this, is that I can't control what you do as soon as you exit these doors. But my hope is this, is that you grow as you grow in preparing yourself. Again, not in perfection, not doing the things, not shamming Jesus in perfection, but in growing grace. As you prepare yourself for the journey, the question lies again, are you ready and are you willing to be a pioneer for him? And if you say, yes, Jesus, I'm willing to be a pioneer for you, I pray this is that you continue to walk in confidence, knowing that Jesus is with you always until the end of the age. Church, the mission is before us. The journey to be a pioneer is before you and I. This call to go onward, onward, church, for his glory, for his name. Let's pray. Lord, our prayer is this. Is that you will make yourself known. You will make yourself known much more in ourselves and in turn that we will radiate you to our communities, to our families, to our spheres of influence. Lord, would you help us prepare for your mission? We ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen.